So enjoy the singing today, the worship. Enjoy the testimonies, what the Lord is is doing. So grateful that we're serving a living God today. Brother Tyler and Sister Hannah will come and bring their little daughter. We'll dedicate her to the Lord today. I love touching miracles. Whenever our sister was carrying this little beautiful doll, went to the doctors and they gave her some reports that wasn't very comforting. May have to do this, may have to do that, may have to perform a surgery, may have to do something else. Well, you're listening, aren't you? But just like our God and His mercy, He has moved forward. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today. It's not been that many months ago when Brother Aaron had texted me and told me, Lord, the reports of the doctor, and certainly when we hear things like they say, Fear can take a hold of our hearts, but we're so grateful that faith is a greater power than fear. Lord, as we stand here today and my brother and sister want to bring their little daughter into your presence, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're the one that gave her to them in the first place. But then, Lord, to hear the things that you've done for her makes it even more of a consolation. We're so happy. Lord, there's one more little thing that needs to happen in her heart, in her body. And we're just believing you that while we're dedicating her today, that you're going to take care of that too. You don't do a halfway job or a 75% job. You're an almighty God. So we bring her little life to you today, Father. We want to be able to dedicate her to the service of almighty God. Lord, may you keep her by your grace. No question, you've had your eye upon her even before she was born. Father, I pray that you'd help my brother and sister. May they be able to instill in her the ways of truth and righteousness. And Lord, if she would get old enough to be able to know right from wrong, may she be able to make her choice while she's young before the evil days come upon her. Keep her from the sickness, diseases, and evils of this day. We dedicate our little life to you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together. Let's turn to the book of Ruth 
again today if you would. I'd like you to remember, thank you, the uh, meetings over at Ruth this week. <clears throat> the best preacher will be preaching Wednesday and Friday, which is Brother Ron. And they've got a spare tar for Tuesday and Thursday. So just in case you might need a flat changed or something like that, you might be able to come for those. But if you can't come, please remember the meetings that the Lord would just be with us and visit us in a special way. Also, uh, Brother Fred Perry uh, come through his surgery and doing good. Had a little bit of a couple of issues. His lung collapsed and um, uh, a couple of different things I heard from him this morning. And he is doing better, but they're still going to keep him today. Still dealing with a little bit of blood pressure and things like that. But he's got a good spirit. He wanted to be in church this morning. But I told him it might, might be better off letting him rest a little bit for a little bit more. But certainly appreciate our brother. So I tell him that I just relate that to you today. Let's go to the third stage of Ruth's journey and her walk. And the prophet told us that there was four stages of her journey. And this is the third stage, which is Ruth's resting. Ruth chapter three, verse one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall not I seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee. And get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. Fivefold way of preparation, a protocol to be able to meet this man. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. And I'd like to share with you again, if you don't mind me reading this to you, several, several services from the kinsman, Redeemer, and Brother Bram talking about the holy men of, <clears throat> of the ages and the sages, as he called them, that were picking out the different books, what they considered to be inspired by God. They left out second book of Daniel, book of Maccabees, different books, many of you may have read them. But they read through them and somehow they didn't feel that they were inspired to make enough to make the Bible. But he's describing Ruth and he said, if it was just a love story, why would the writers and ancient sages accept this book as inspired? Because there's a hidden revelation in it. And in this hidden revelation, you catch the real meaning and it'll bring you real close to God. And I pray my whole soul this morning that God will catch every heart so spellbound till he'll reveal himself just what he is in this story and what he is to you. How to accept him and once you once see it, it's so simple. You wonder how you ever went over the top of it. But it can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I mean, knows that's right. Amen. 
How many wants that today in your own heart? Let's just pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we know that you can hide in the pages of the Bible. Even the most learned men can know the letters. They can know the punctuation. They can divide the Greek and the Aramaic and they can understand the Hebrew. And still, unless you choose to open up the mystery of who you are, they can study you for years and years and never see you. So, Lord God, we're asking you today that you would help us to see you. We want to see you as who you are. And not only who you are, but who we are in you. Father, I pray that you would take the word and make it real. Help me to get out of the way, Father, to step aside, shut my mouth to anything that would be displeasing to you. We know if anyone leaves this place today with anything of eternal value, it'll have to be you that does it or says it. So I'm pleading, asking, petitioning today, help me. I need you, Lord God. I need you to be able to speak words of life. I'm not here, Lord, to just talk. I'm not just here because it's what I've done for decades of my life. I'm here to be of service. I've studied, I've prayed, I report for duty. Take me, Lord, use me to speak to your children. Anoint me, anoint them, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I mentioned it to you last week that for us, thinking about Washing, taking a bath, taking a shower. It's simply an everyday average thing for us. For them, not so much. They didn't have bathrooms in their houses. They did not have showers, tubs, sinks, running water. So to have a bath was quite a task. But yet, Naomi felt she must give Ruth the right approach to approach Boaz. And we know that God himself has a protocol, a way, a chosen way, by which humans must approach him. That is not our choice. Well, I I think I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do that, and God will accept it. That's what Cain thought. And we know that God totally turned him down and rejected him. So God has a way. And Naomi saw that there was a way by which Ruth must approach this man. Now because they didn't have baths that often and that frequently, they relied more upon aromatherapy. They relied upon scents. So they would take their clothes and keep them in a chest. They would take certain aromatic herbs and plants and rosins that would come out of certain trees and they would place their special garments in these containers until the woven material would be able to absorb those fragrances. 
because they knew there was something about the stench of a human being. Now, we're all human and flesh, of course, and there's something about our flesh. When we don't wash it, it begins to stink. Now, I realize there's probably some of you here today and you think you're so far above all the rest of us, but I'll tell you one thing. If you don't wash long enough, you're going to smell like a polecat just like all the rest of us because there's something about our sweat and something about our flesh that can stink. Now, that's not just so in the natural sense, but there's also a spiritual significance to that as well. Now, you imagine before man fell in the Garden of Eden, he never produced that smell. Can you imagine when we go back to a glorified human body, we will never have to have deodorant? We will never have to have anything that will eliminate that smell. Don't you see what causes that in our flesh? The fall. We never needed that in the beginning. You see, it wasn't just that we lived and had eternal life, but the every process about our body has changed. Now see, in that day, we will eat and we will drink, but yet it won't be as we are now. For our bodies will not have blood. So Jesus said flesh and blood, told us in his word, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. But yet when he appeared to them after the resurrection, he said, you see, a spirit does not have flesh and bones. He didn't say he had blood. Right. Now God knew, of course, that man would fall. So God in this type of Naomi giving to Ruth the way to approach this beloved one. She's looking for her a husband. So she tells her to wash first. Now we know by the fall of our parents that they themselves tried to make a way back to fellowship in the presence of God but it never covered their nakedness physically or in their conscience. So God had to come himself and give a remedy. And we also need to be washed. And there is a, a washing that takes place in our initial coming to the Lord. And when the Lord drops that in our heart that we accept the perpetuation of his sacrifice, then he does this marvelous work that we believe on the work of what he did at Calvary. And we're not touched, of course, by the actual chemistry of the blood, but our faith in what he did on the cross releases us of our past life. Right. Isn't that wonderful? And he, as the scripture says in Revelation 1, that he washed us or loosed us from our sins. So no matter how vile, wretched, whatever that we did, the moment that we accept that, we are loosed. So we are washed. But we also know that there is another washing, which Paul described in Ephesians 5, which is not a one-time event. But it is an event as often as you need it. 
And that is what Paul called a washing of the water by the word. Now we looked at it last Sunday and we've looked at it actually a few years ago. But there are two Greek terms in the New Testament that are used for this. And one of them is logos and the other is rhema. Both of them, the translators, the English translators, when they got ready to translate the New Testament uh, for the term that we use called word, W-O-R-D, they would use the Greek word logos, which in the beginning was the word, which is the logos, and they also use the same term, Ephesians 5, by the washing of the water by the word, they use the same English word, but it's not the same Greek word at all. Has a total different meaning. Now Satan can and does use the Logos. He can quote the Logos. He has it committed to memory. Remember when he come to the Lord Jesus in Matthew 4 and he said it is written. So he's quoting the Logos. But Jesus turns around and says, but it is also written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema, not logos. Now, do we live by logos? Yes, we do. And remember that a real Holy Ghost-filled child of God has access to both aspects of the word. God separated the anointing from the word because he knew one day the word would be actually written down in a format, of course, first on skins and then on paper, now in a digital format. And if he left the anointing and the power on the word, then demons, sinners, unbelievers, whoever, they could take that word and just quote it and things would happen because the word and the power would be as one unit. So God knew it would be that way. So he separated the power of the anointing and he takes it from the word. That's why the prophet would say it over and over again that the letter kills, quoting Paul, but the spirit gives life. And Brother Brandon would say it this way, that the word is dead. Yeah. Is that right? But I find it amazing how many people only want the dead letter. They're scared to death of the anointed word. And they're scared to death of anointed people. And so is the devil. But what God wanted to do was that the reunification of the word would happen when the anointing would come back on it. Now the word rhema actually means of the word spoken with a living voice or a word that is uttered from God that God has quickened to the individual. I'm sure every person here today, if you've been saved very long, you've had that to happen to you. When you were in a need or something going on and the Spirit of God would either quicken a word that was committed to your memory or maybe you would pass a sign on the road, a church sign or whatever, and it would just so quicken to you. How many has that happened to you? Well, that's when God makes that portion of Scripture a rhema word to you. And God can be able, he's the only one that can do it because even though we have it committed to our memory, we do not have the ability from within 
us in our own being to be able to anoint that word and make it live. Now God's the only one that can do it and he controls both inlet and outlet of that to make it a reality. So when we look into the New Testament and we find all of these different examples and they go back and forth, St. John 15, 7, if ye abide in me and my ramas abide in you. Again, Jesus did not say logos. So you see a person who studies only the logos, only the word, just the letter of the word. And they give their entire life, which theologians do, to study the logos. And they can put it together. My, they'd be able to take that Bible and make you and I look like we're a bunch of ignoramuses. But we could take that same Bible, anointed by the Holy Ghost, and let God make that word they have studied all of their life more come to pass in five minutes than what they brought to pass in a lifetime. Why? Because they are studying and propagating and live and talk about the Logos. But a real Christian knows there's more to a being a child of God than a Logos life. There is also a Rhema life. You understand what the rapture is going to be? The rapture is not going to be us one day just quoting a bunch of scriptures and quoting a bunch of quotes. The prophet said he speaks and the rapture takes place. So what will it be? To the rhema children of God who have already heard rhema words, he will speak and around the world the rhema bride will catch that voice of God and the change will start taking place. So it's not like that all of us have got to be on a, you know, a certain chat and we'll all get this certain scripture, this certain quote and we'll all read it. Man, that'd be a tough time if the folks in Africa get it first or the folks in New Zealand get it first and we don't get it for five or six hours later. There's going to be a delay. But what if God, if you're laying down in your bed and you are sound asleep, I mean you ain't even moved. You went to bed at 10.30 and you went to sleep and you have not even turned over. You ain't got up to go to the bathroom or nothing. You're out of it. And you have to wait to read your text. The rapture would done be took place the next morning. But your soul don't sleep even when your body does. So whenever he speaks the theophanies will be released from the sixth dimension and they will come to the earth to pick up redeemed bodies. And at the same moment that that is happening, those of us which are alive and remain will be on the on the earth and whether you're asleep, whether you are working, oh my, whether you're hard of hearing or not, your soul ain't hard of hearing if you got the Holy Ghost, that's for sure. And all over the earth, it will begin to happen because our Lord Jesus, our bridegroom, will speak a rhema word and those that have been dead for thousands of years will hear it. Praise be to God. So those now who only studied the Logos, and maybe they quote Matthew 24, and they quote 1 Thessalonians 4.16, and they will quote 1 Corinthians 15.35, and they quote the Logos, the Logos, the Logos about the rapture, and they can all put it together except for the time frame, and whenever it happens, they'll miss it because they do not have a rhema life which can only come by the true baptism of the Holy Ghost in the soul. 
That's what I want. That's what I've got today. I don't know about you. I've already got that in my soul. Now, watch then. Whenever Paul went to write some of these things in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul said, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. Well, now, isn't that amazing that faith or type of faith? Well, we're talking about now a faith that is more than just elementary salvation faith. A person can hear that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And they hear that and say, well, I'm lost. I believe he accepted me. I will accept what he's done for me and they can get saved. And yet they could never go beyond that and that's as far as they ever go. And they live right at the foot of the cross the rest of their life. And the cross is the bridgeway by which it spans the gap to place the children of God on the other side of eternity. God don't just want you saved, he wants you filled with the Holy Ghost. God wants you walking in harmony with him. So this way when faith comes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. So sometimes we fight with logos and we quote the word and we quote the word and we fight and fight and fight, but there's other times that the spirit will take the sword and when the spirit takes the sword, he transforms what we're quoting and makes it a rhema word. Well, Brother, Brother Donnie, aren't we supposed to fight with Logos? Ab absolutely. Fight with Logos until Rhema comes. And when Rhema comes, look out, devil, you're in for it. A lot of our battles are going to be Logos battles. But if we will wait and be sensitive and do not rely just upon our knowledge, because remember, our knowledge will not incorporate just into Rhema word. And remember, if all you do is stay on Facebook all of your time, and all you do is read magazines, and your head's full of sports, and your head's full of television, and all kinds of junk like that, how is the spirit? of God going to quicken any Logos in you if you ain't got none in you. Well, praise the Lord. I'll tell you one thing, the Holy Ghost ain't going to quicken some of Disney scripts. The Holy Ghost ain't going to quicken a bunch of movie scripts and this and that and the other. He wants to quicken the Logos that's in you and make it rhema. Is that right? Notice again that Paul said in Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and we know this word express and image as well, uh, comes from the Greek word which is character, which means the word facsimile or a fax. So here was the image of God faxed down upon the earth in the human body of Jesus, and he received the facsimile of God, upholding all things by the rhema of his power. So you see what makes the earth stand out here today spinning around like it is and making its turn of the circumference in the earth for 24,000 miles around and traveling about a thousand miles an hour. And it's going about and that's just our planet that we live in ourselves. How is it held there? Not by Logos. You see God spoke it in the beginning was the word Logos. And God said let there be light. What was that? Logos. But God God does not hold it there by Logos. God holds it there by Rhema. How 
do we get saved? By hearing the Logos of God, of course. But what is it that draws on our hearts at that time and said, this is your time? You'll not find no scriptures that says, this is your time. What was it that God started dealing with you now when we first got saved? A rhema word. Whenever some moved on our hearts and our lives, I hope you understand. That's the way he started dealing with you. At the beginning was your walk. He will close out your walk the same way. Notice again Hebrews 11.3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the rhema of God. The worlds were framed by the rhema of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now here we are living in the darkest age that's ever been. Now what you notice that during the time frame when Ruth is going to be washed and needs to be washed is in the third stage of her journey. It was not at the first stage. It was not at the second stage. But it was at the third stage that she gets the directions to being washed. Why? It's then the time that she needs it. Because she's going to approach her husband-to-be. Oh, glory. So she needs to be washed. Praise the Lord. Well, God had had certainly sent a word in the days of Luther, a word in the days of Wesley, a word in the days of Pentecost. But because we are closer than any other church age to the rapture, God gave us a word that would hold the cleansing agent of the bleach of the blood that would not only be able to release us from our sins, but it provide a daily washing for us as the people of God. How many still makes mistakes? Oh my goodness, there's some people here today that don't. Would you come here and touch me? Please, I beg you, just, just, just rub yourself on me. It might rub off. You sorry outfits, you're just like all the rest of us. We need to be cleansed. Well, how are we going to be cleansed? By the washing of the water by the rhema. So why you say, well, why do we even need the message? And why do we need all this stuff? Why don't we just preach the Bible stories? I do preach the Bible stories in the light of this hour. If you're still preaching Noah under the light of justification, you're three dispensations behind. I still preach about Jonah. I still preach about the people in the Bible, but I preach them under the light of this day, which produces the cleansing agent that we need. Don't just tell me about what God done. Tell me about what he's doing. Don't tell me, well, he used to do this and he used to do that. A used to God won't help me in my time of need. I need a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Notice this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. I find this quite amazing since Peter was an ignorant and an unlearned man. Remember, they couldn't even sign their name. But you sure wouldn't know that when you go to reading his epistle, would you? So Peter wasn't satisfied being ignorant and unlearned. He wanted to learn. A lot of folks are that way when it comes to God. Well, I got to say, what more do I need? Oh my, there's a world out there. Notice, but the word, rhema of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the rhema which by the rhema gospel is preached. 
You see, people are preaching what they think is the gospel, but it's logos. Has no power. So they can't produce an overcoming life. Well, praise the Lord. Jude 1.17, but beloved, remember ye the ramus which were spoken before of the apostles. Oh, so Jude believed the apostles had the ability to speak rhema words from God. Yeah. Amen. 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 I believe the same thing, don't you? Amen. Now God will never give you a rhema that's contrary to his logos. May I say this to you? God will never lead you or myself in a way that is contrary to his written word. Never. Totally against the will of God to do such a thing. He will always lead us in a way. Well, Brother Donnie, I'm feeling led to leave, to leave my wife and marry Brother so-and-so's wife because she's prettier than my wife and I'm feeling led of the Lord. The Lord is not guilty of such trash. You got a devil on you, a lust devil. Well, praise the Lord. The Spirit of God does know such a thing. And he will always lead us in the confines of that which has been spoken. Now watch this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Isn't that lovely the way he says that? Uh, do not the truth. Do not the truth. So it's not just in saying you believe the truth. It's doing the truth that really matters. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Notice what produces divine fellowship. Now, no doubt many of you have read this, and you took that the fellowship was between you and your brother that you go to church with, or you and your sister, or you and your pastor, or you need to read it again. Because John is not talking about us having fellowship just so much with one another. Read verse 6 again. He's talking about us having fellowship with him, with him. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. With who? You and him. You have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. Again, Ephesians 5, 8. Paul said, for ye some were sometimes darkness, but now are you light. Would you notice that he doesn't say you were in darkness but you were darkness and now he doesn't say you're in the light but you are the light that's why hell hates you that's only half the story we hate hell too walk as children of light Ephesians 5.13 but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever does make manifest is light now, you say, well, what has this got to do with Ruth? Well, it's the modern-day Ruth that I'm preaching to now. The modern-day Ruth that needs to be washed and cleansed and be able to have a perpetuation. Now, little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, which is to miss the mark and cause an error, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous, which is the perpetuation for our sins, but not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So we need to be loosed from our fears. I'll tell you what some of you need to be released of today from fear, fear of COVID. Come on. Come on. 
sure, be sensible, absolutely. But I'm afraid many of the message people are letting this devil of fear of COVID paralyze their faith. They're scared to death. They are absolutely scared to death. Sure, use hand sanitizer. Wear a mask if you want to. Wear five if you want to. Just don't die on us while you're here because you can't breathe. Yes, be sensible. I agree totally. But when you've done everything you know to do, do what Martin Luther did when he was living in the days of one of the things that was striking the earth. And Martin Luther said, I will wash my hands. I will do this and I will do that. But I will tend to the sick. I will minister to my brothers. I will continue on in the service of God. He did not lock himself up in a cave and stay away from everybody. I'll tell you, friend, I hate COVID. I hate what it's done to the people. But I hate it has divided the people of God. It has cut off fellowship. Some people have recluse back into their hole. Well, somebody preached with me this morning. They won't have nothing to do with nobody. And it's the devil that's tried to separate the people of God. If you just... Spiritual paralysis hits people. <laughs> have you been tested? I have been. I've been tested to see if I've got the token. And I tested positive. <laughs> oh, glory! I've been tested to see if I've got eternal life. And I tested positive. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 14, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise. 1 John 2, 6, but he that abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. You imagine how crazy the Lord Jesus must have seemed in the days when he was here. And he would let lepers touch him. You think COVID's bad. Now the mentality for years was that leprosy was contagious. Brother Branham even believed that himself. Well, don't sit there and look at me. He said it. He believed it was contagious until he found out that it wasn't. And the Lord Jesus would come right up to the lepers and lay his hands on them. Boy, some of us that had a gas mask on and some kind of big air hose running back here would look like we was moonwalking. We'd had our desanitized shoes on. We'd even have on sanitized socks. We'd have on sanitized gloves and sanitized glove liners and sanitized liners of the liners. And we would have had this mask and that mask. We couldn't even got to the sick person because we'd weighed 385 pounds with all of our suit on top of us. And you imagine the Lord Jesus walked right up to him with no hand sanitizer. He had nothing to be able to spray on him. Oh, glory! 
away, but he did not fear all of those devils. I think it's the same way as the children of God. We ought to love one another, and we ought to say, devil, I'm going to church. Devil, I'm going to the house of God. Devil, I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters, and you better get out of my way, or I'm going to back over you. I love this word here that John uses. When he says this, if we walk in the light, preach hard to blow the microphone off. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, make clean from physical stains and dirt. Dirt. In a moral sense, you're free from defilement. You see, this isn't getting saved. This has to do with your everyday walk. So you're living in a black, filthy, smutty, dirty world. And here you are in this beautiful, white, flowing garment. And Satan has not only got big blotches of black smut hanging like this, but he specializes in them almost invisible spider webs. For some of you, it's called the web. Uh huh. Here we go, Jesus. Uh oh. Uh huh. If you ain't got enough sense to know how to use your smartphone, get a dumb phone. Because if you ain't got enough sense to know how to use it, that makes you a dummy with a smartphone. You'd be better off to be a dummy with a dumb phone and be saved than a dummy with a smartphone and be lost. <laughs> Woo! Oh my. You see, it's not churchanity that keeps us clean. And it's not just, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Some of the Christians' most famous words of this day. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If oh, Don't you believe in asking forgiveness, Brother Donnie? I do. But I believe the same Holy Ghost that will forgive us will give us enough sense if we'll let him to keep us out of the law of this stuff and we won't have to repent of it because we won't be doing it. Amen. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, look, friend, he's not just in the move of justification in this day or the move of sanctification or the gifts. He's in the end time light. You want to find Jesus? Find the light of the hour. Notice in Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Notice the way John writes this. He doesn't say the only begotten from the dead, but the first. And the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I want you to notice this. I don't know if you ever noticed it before or not. But these people were loved before they were ever washed. 
They were not washed and then loved. <laughs> well, glory to God. I figured somebody jump up and run on that one. They were loved before they were washed. That is the reason you were washed was because you were loved first. Praise be to God. Love was the cause of our washing. Amen. God was not required to do it. God was not made to do it. God loved to do it. Amen. And the washing was not the cause, oh my, of St. Justice or some other reason. It was the love of God. Now notice the next thing that Ruth must do. She has now washed. She must be anointed. Amen. As the anointing oil followed the placing of the Aaronic priesthood, that Moses would wash them and then he would take the oil and anoint them for their position. You see, many people have the wrong idea about the anointing. The anointing is not emotions. I just quoted your quote. The anointing is power in supreme control. But you see, people sing that the anointing is how loud the preacher screams and hollers. And I know you got a big mouth loud preacher for a pastor. There ain't no question about that. But the Lord Jesus more than likely didn't preach like me. He sat difference of times in the scripture. And yet the words that come out of his mouth were so powerful and so precious. Is that right? And yet many times people are saying, well, the anointing, so-and-so, he don't preach like this and that, and don't preach like that. Well, God never made none of us to be clones. He made us to be the way he gifted. Each ministry is different. And you know, many times pastors tend to blast evangelists because they get everybody all stirred up. Look at the way the prophet described an evangelist. He's like that firebrand that runs in there and gets everybody all fired up and heads out. Oh, my. And what's a pastor do? He, he's one that sits there and stabilizes them in doctrine and helps them through their difficult times. Is that right? Look at Andrew. The prophet described him as a prayer warrior. He said, look at Paul, more scholarly type. If Paul come in here and seen Brother Darrell preach, he'd probably wipe his face and say, that boy wears me out. Just watching that man preach. Look at Andrew. I mean, I don't think Andrew even takes one breath. I've never seen nothing like that in my life. I thought that I preached fast and talked fast. I don't think that man breathes. He must have gills or something the way he takes his air in. It's absolutely incredible. Is that right? But God only made one Andrew clever. So we don't want this man and that man and another man to be like Brother Andrew, Brother Darrell, or Brother Branham. But that does not mean the one that's more scholarly is not anointed by the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Any of y'all in here ever cast out devils? How'd you cast it out? By screaming? Hollering? The prophet said there's one way you cast them out, by love. And Satan recognizes if you've been given that authority to do it. Now sometimes you gotta talk rough to them. I've had to talk rough to demons before. Oh yeah. 
And then there's other times you just speak and it's so mild and it'll come out of you in such a way. I've had it happen to me before and it'd scare the liver out of me because I think that ain't enough authority. That ain't enough of power. And I'd see that demon come tearing out of that person's body because that particular time, God really wanted to shame that devil. And he really wanted to put his hide under the cover. I mean, and God didn't really want to scream at him. God didn't really want to holler at him. God just wanted to speak to him in that mild, gentle voice and that devil recognized authority and had to leave. He had other people say, oh, that one anointed, that one anointed. Why? Because they don't know what the anointing is. Well, my goodness, what are we doing here this morning? How many believes you're anointed to live right? How many hours of the day are you anointed to live right? What, 24? Do you feel it all 24? Really? How many believes you're anointed to be the bride? Do you feel that anointing every day, every hour? Are you anointed to live right? Do you feel it? How many believes you're anointed to worship? So should you just worship when you feel it? Or are you anointed to worship whether you feel it or not? Are you anointed to live right? When should you live right? Just when you feel it? Every day. I'll tell you one thing, if you'd get this right, it'd change the way some of you worship God. You come in here and like a bump on a pickle, don't ever raise your hands, don't ever worship God. If you realize you are anointed to worship whether you feel anything or not, you would raise your hands, you would lift your voice, you would say, praise God, I am a worshiper. I'm anointed to worship. I don't have to feel it. I'll worship him without the anointing and then maybe he'll let me feel it. The Lord Jesus was first washed. And then when John brings him up, he says, I saw the Spirit of God descending in the form of a dove. So he was washed then anointed. Anybody know any scriptures in the Bible where Jesus ever mentions one time that he felt God? No doubt he did, but that wasn't the emphasis. Anybody show me one time where Jesus ever said when he prayed for people and he'd go say, did you feel it? What did he say? Did you believe it? Did they feel it? Yes, they did feel it. But you see, in our age, people have emphasized feelings so much that if they don't feel it, they ain't got no victory. If they don't feel it, they don't sing. If they don't feel to go to church, I don't feel led today. I feel led to go to Dollywood. Well, I know what led you. <laughs> it wasn't the Holy Ghost. Notice Ruth 3 3. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee. The anointing oil represents the Spirit of God. The Eastern people use fragrant oils. I love this. To protect and to heal their bodies and also to make themselves more pleasant. Ah, 
You see, a bride would anoint herself before coming to her husband to make herself nice to be near. Now listen to him words. To make herself nice to be near. Sometimes we're just not very nice to be around. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we got so much trouble. We got so much anxiety. We got so much stuff that we're dealing with. And oh my, we're in this mood and that mood and another mood. We need to be anointed in the presence of our king in order to be nice to be near. Praise be to God. Notice Song of Solomon chapter one verse three, because of the savior of thy good ointments, thy name, because of the savior of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment. Can you imagine a person being so called up in the anointing that they themselves become so fragrant that even the mention of their name Wow. So I remember a cartoon whenever I was a boy. Yes, I used to watch TV. And there was a little skunk on one of them programs. Pepe Le Pew. You bunch of guilty hound dogs, you watched it too, didn't you? So what do you think when someone just did mention Pepe Le Pew? Do you think of sandalwood? Do you think of your favorite fragrance sisters in your house? I don't. I think of a stinking little rascal. Now let's just be honest. That's what we all were before we come to the Lord Jesus. And because we're still embedded in this old stinking body, it can get a stinking attitude every now and then. We don't get our way and we'll pout. You're stinking. We don't get what we want when we want it. Well, you know, we'll say this harsh word or that harsh word. You're not putting out fragrance. You're stinking. Oh, Jesus, you're getting me in trouble, sir. Notice Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 12. Now watch. This is the bride speaking about herself. While the king set us at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. You see, it was while she was in the presence of the son of righteousness that it actually enhanced this fragrance that he gave her. So he was the source of the spikenard. This was a poor girl. She was a farm girl raised in the northern country of Israel. And he's on this journey up there as he's journeying around touring his kingdom. And he sees this little girl out there in the field. I mean, this man can marry queens. He can marry princesses. He can marry anybody he wants to. But he finds this little old girl up there, a poor little thing. And she was mistreated by her family, run down, abused, scarred human being, as we'd say, had all kinds of issues. And as soon as King Solomon fell, saw her, 
he fell in love with her. And now he's brought her down to his great palace. You imagine every morning how she'd get up and she'd wake up around her and she'd open her eyes. And there was them tapestries hanging from the post of her bed. And she'd raise up and think, is this a dream? Can this be real? Look at them blues and them scarlets and the purples. Look at the silver and the gold. Look at them dried figs and clementines and smell all of this and this is my room? This, is, this must be a dream. I'll wake up one day and realize this is not a reality. And then when she'd get up and wash her face and she said, this is real. This is true. I am part of the bride. I am part of the bride. Oh, I think it does us good to get up every now and then like that, don't you? And look around and say, wow, think about it. I was out there in the world lost without God. I was out there in that darkness. I was in church entity. But look at me now. I wake up every morning and his mercies endure forever. His mercies are renewed every day. His mercy is there. His grace is there. His protection is there. If I get sick, his healing is there. If I get weary, he's there to encourage me. Hallelujah! You imagine the first time that she got it. They brought it into her Royal Highness, from the great King Solomon. And she said, what is it? It's Spike Nard. She said, Spike what? <laughs> Dear Queen, it is one of the most elaborate fragrances of the East. Oh, but there must be a mistake, huh? I'm just a poor girl. I'm not worthy of that, but my lady, it has your name on it. And your king makes no mistakes. Amen. Your shirts, it's for you. What do you do with it? First of all, you open it, my lady. And then you pass it under your nose. Ooh, that smells like olive oil. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have faith this morning, ain't I? Okay, I'll act like it's spikenard. Oh. I've never smelt. I've never smelt anything like that. So what do I do? Anoint yourself, my lady. So what do I do after that? You're going into the presence of the king. And you will set across from him. And what you'll find is that his presence will so magnify what you have on you. He will be overwhelmed. And he will compliment you as if though it's you. But you know in your heart the whole time, it's him. 
Oh, don't you just love him that he didn't want us to be there that day and be empty-handed. So he gives us grace and he gives us mercy and he gives us faith and he gives us strength. And then we stand before him that day and he rewards us for the thing he gave us and gave us the ability to carry out in our life. And then he acts like we've had it. The king said, it's at his table. My spikenard sending forth the smell thereof. Chapter four, verse 11. Thy lips, O oh my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue and the smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. Lebanon was famous for its cedar trees. Solomon's house had cedar trees in it. The temple of God had cedar trees in it. The cedar tree is a cross between a red and white. So it's the symbol on which our Lord gave his life. Lord God, don't let me smell that Laodicea. Let me smell like the cross. Amen. You got a moth problem in your closet? Let me tell you what will take care of it. Go to Lowe's, get planks about that wide, about an eighth of an inch or so thick. All you got to do is stand up a little line in the inside of your closet and the moths will leave the power of the cross. You got a devil hanging on to you, some kind of habit, some type of besetting sin. Keep going deeper, deeper in the work of God. And that devil will leave you by the power of the cross. Oh, can you imagine? He he has the ability to to differentiate between each smell that's coming forth from her. So he smells honey. And he said, and he gets closer to it. He said, that's from your mouth. Wow. Did you know that gossip don't smell like honey? (laughs) It smells like the garbage can. Your sisters ever have to clean out your garbage disposal at home? After you get so much stuff into it, after a while, Carol did the other day, and she stuck her nose at you, Woo! So she had to take something and clean all that out. Well, that, when we talking gossip, talking a bunch of nonsense and trouble and division and all that sort of thing, that's the way your mouth is. It's not coming out of a garbage disposal. Oh, but when we go to talking his word, oh, you know what Jesus hears? He said, oh, that's my sweetheart. Listen at her talk. She says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Hallelujah. He anointeth my head with oil. He makes my cup to run over. Surely goodness and mercy follow me. Oh yeah. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he said, oh, talk to me, darling. Talk to me. Praise the Lord. And the smell of thy garments is like the smell 
of Lebanon. A mountain scented with odiferous trees. With a little berry, the little tiny, tiny blue-gray berry on those trees. So here he smells the honey from her mouth. He smells the spikenard which he gave her. And he differentiates between that and her clothes. You see, your Lord is so in love with you. He knows every aspect of your weaknesses and your shortcomings. But he also knows every aspect of the good attributes in your life. Psalm 45.8, which is the echoing from the book of Psalms to the Song of Solomon. You know, the Song of Solomon, the ancient Hebrews would not even let their children read the Song of Solomon until they were a certain age because it seems so intimate and it's called the inter-sanctum of the Old Testament. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. And Naomi says, Ruth, don't just get washed now at the cross, okay? Don't just get washed and keep on washing, but you've got to be anointed. You've got to be anointed. Solomon, Solomon 4.12, a garden enclosed is my sister my spouse a spring shut up a fountain sealed now what's her abundance she moves beyond one initial fragrant scent that she has then she goes to another and another now by chapter 4 the graces of almighty God are so permeating out of her life that he has to rename her and say she's like a garden. She's got this fragrance and that one and this one and that one. Why? Four is the number of earthly deliverance. She's getting closer and closer to a change. And as she does, the presence of the sun ripens all of these attributes. A spring shut up, a fountain seal. Thy plants are an orchard, an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, camphor and spikenard. Spikenard and saffron. Anybody know what saffron is? It's the little yellow flower from the crocus. Also another different type of herb from India. But this one was the crocus. Calamus and cinnamon. Notice all these smells now. The untrained nose is like... Smells like a bunch of holy rollers to me. I know that smell. They go to the skirt church. Jesus smells her and says, frankincense, spikenard, calamus, saffron, cinnamon. 
Myrrh, aloes, with all the chief spices. A fountain of gardens, a well of living waters. Oh my goodness, I thought that could only said about him. It only can be said about him. But whether he's in the masculine form of a fountain or the feminine form of a bride fountain, he's still a well of springing waters. Let me close. Awake, O north wind, and come thou south, blow upon my garden. I can see her as she puts on just the right amount. She finishes her headdress and wraps hurriedly but cautiously heads toward the threshing floor. She waits, she watches. The last man will say over here, lays down. She surveys everywhere. No one's moving. She carefully starts making her way because she marked the place where he lay down. It's going to be very hard, you see, once all of these men are laid down. They didn't have a coverlet over their beds, a comforter or a bedspread the way we do today. But actually, the husband's wrap, his robe, was the coverlet of the bed. And so far, Boaz, now being a man of years, had no woman to spread his coverlet over. So he was a loner. Reaches up and pulls the coverlet. And she's laying there quietly. It wasn't that she gave him a bunch of message quotes or a bunch of scriptures that woke him up. Wonder what it was that let him know there was a woman nearby. Because most men at that day didn't dress up like women. I guess the way all this woke stuff is going on, is I heard a commentator say it yesterday, he said, maybe I've been wrong about all this stuff. People can be born a male and all of a sudden they begin to think they're a woman. He said, I think the next time I pull into a spot and there's only a handicapped spot available, I'll think myself handicapped. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and use that spot. Think that'd be okay with the cops? Well, I, I thought myself handicapped and I, I thought what a crazy age we're living 
Don't tell me that stuff. You don't hear it every day. You don't see it. It's all around. Don't you understand why we got to be washed? This is why it's so important that we go to the house of God to be washed and be cleansed. That we can wash all that stuff off of us. So we come into the presence of the King. I love the way Brother Benham says this in Hidden Life. Did you ever walk out in the morning in that real fresh, cool feeling? God has refreshed the earth. Fragrance. Did you ever go into a rose garden? Down my place, they got a lot of honeysuckles. The honeysuckle don't smell much along in the heat of the day. Many of you have noticed that. But it's early in the morning. Early of the morning when all the air has been purified. Then that aroma of the honeysuckle. Let a man be out fussing, fighting, stewing. And you'll never get much of aroma from that of the gospel. But let him get alone one time in the stillness of God. And every man that comes to the pulpit ought to dwell alone first. Then comes the fruits, yielding forth its fruits. Every man that stays in the presence of God into this great secret place, hid away, will yield the fruits of righteousness, peace, love, joy, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, patience. Don't fuss about these other things. Get that in your life, and you'll never get it until you hide away with God. Listen where at into that land of adoption. You see, friends, just staying at the foot of the cross will never get you to the land of adoption. Brother Darn, don't you believe in the cross? I'd be a blasphemer if I didn't. Of course I do. But we must grow in Christ. We must become disciples of His great Word. I don't want to just talk about salvation. I want discipleship. Amen. Amen. Get that in your life and you'll never get it until you hide away with God into that land of adoption. Oh my. Anybody in here beside me just ever get out of sorts sometimes? I mean, you ain't cussing and ranting, raving, smoking, you know, all, all that sort of thing. But you just get in a bad mood. Anybody besides me? Well, praise the Lord. If it hadn't been me, y'all voted me out this morning, would you? I've done counsel too many of you to know that. But then there's something about getting in the presence of the king. Oh, my. I've got a honeysuckle vine just stepping out of my back deck. And you step out there early in the morning, Brother Louie. I know y'all know I'm, all, I'm already a hillbilly. I know you know I ain't got much sense or nothing like that. But has anybody here ever pulled one of them honeysuckles off and you suck that out? I knew I was at home with you bunch of dummies. You mean to tell me you have pulled that nectar Its fragrance drew you to it. It's a lovely taste, isn't it? 
I got some of y'all going to try it after church. <laughs> oh, children. That's what Jesus does. Don't you understand that God gave flowers the ability to produce nectar? And the bees will begin to go around them. The bees don't even know what they're doing. But they're getting down in there and they're rubbing their little bodies all over that pollen. And then another male plant over here will pull out more. And that little bee will... And here it goes and it takes that pollen. There's one of the strangest plants in the world that God made. Comes out and produces a flower for about eight hours or so. Grows years and years and years. Gigantic big old flower. Stands about six and a half feet to seven feet tall. Only blooms about eight hours or so. And it has the most pungent smell. Absolutely horrible. Smells like a dead human body. Well, you might as well say amen because that's what we were used to eating on. Boy, we don't want that old thing no more, do we? But we smell him and say, oh, he's so sweet. He's so loving and so wonderful. And you reach up there and pull that off. Oh, man. I wonder what that tastes like on cinnamon buns. Oh. Wonder what you and I taste like in this land of CNH when people's going crazy. And Jesus says, just get a little bit of my nectar. It'll sweeten your temperament. And the devil looking at you said, What in the world's the matter with you? People out here killing one another, cutting one another's guts out, blowing their brains out. What in the world's the matter with you? It's my morning walk with God. I should be bitter. I've got every right to be bitter. I should be hateful. I should be this, that, the other, you might say. But you spend time with God. Oh, praise the Lord. And you got a smell about you. It's an aroma. And the presence of the king enhances your spikenard, your aloes, your calamus. Dear Jesus, I pray you'd forgive us today of those times in our daily walk when we haven't been the sweetest person on the earth. Forgive us, Lord, when we haven't got our way and we would pout about it. Or Forgive us when we've been sharp with one another and not been forgiving. Lord Jesus, may each of us here today make a trip into that vine, as we call it. May we reach up there, Lord, and Pull one of them blooms out of there. Put it up to our lips. And pull that nectar into our mouths. Oh, glory to God. It'll sweeten our temper. It'll sweeten our attitude. And make us more like you. I have no sweetness about me, Lord. We have no ability. Most of us were not even likable before you found us. We were a bunch of hogs wallowing out in the world in sin. We were self-centered, selfish. Everything was about us. But you saved us. You called us to you and then you sent us some spikenard. You had a man of God to deliver to our door. The Spirit of God spoke to us as we sat there under the Word and we got washed from that old attitude. 
I wish people could realize that a true anointed man of God, that's what he's delivering to them. He's delivering a bottle of spikenard to one, a bottle of myrrh to another, a bottle of calamus to the other, a bottle of cinnamon to the other. One may be missing calamus, one may be missing cinnamon, one may be missing spikenard. Whatever I'm missing today, Lord, would you deliver what I need? Lord, whatever I'm missing, Jesus, I don't want you to just smell the cross in me. That's as far as many Christians go. They smell like Lebanon. And that's as far as they go. But when I sit at the table with you, I want my spikenard, my aloes, my calamus, my saffron. Oh, Jesus, let it flow out of my life, Father. Not just when I'm with you, but when I rub shoulders in this dark, sick world that we're in, Lord God. May they know there's been a child of God in their midst. Praise the Lord. We worship you, Lord God. How many can say with me today, Lord, whatever I need in my life, whatever's lacking in my aromas, deliver it to me today, Jesus. How many wants to smell like the bride? Talk like the bride. Walk like the bride. Hallelujah. Oh, lover of my soul. Come and blow, Lord God. We know to the ancients the north wind had one significance and the south wind had another. And the author began to write, let the north wind blow. And let the south come. Sometimes we need corrective services. Sometimes we need rejoicing. Whichever wind we need right now, send it, Lord God, across our souls. Oh, Jesus, we magnify your name, Lord. Let's just close our eyes, if you would. I know you got plans for dinner and this and that and the other afterwards, but... If you can just imagine in your heart, you're sitting across the table from the king. Praise God. Let him just blow his presence across you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, I bless your name. Great Adonai. Elohim. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. Blow across me, Jesus. Lord, if I smell like a skunk or if I smell a smell of putrefaction, it will not be pleasing. Blow across me, Lord. Let the aroma from my soul be so pleasant that it'll make you want to be around me. I bless your name. I bless your name, Lord God most high. We worship you, great Jehovah. Saturate my soul. 
Lord, move from the front to the back to the nurseries. Out on the internet, those that are streaming this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus, may the wind blow away bitterness. May the wind blow away ill-tempered. May the wind blow away bad attitudes. Hallelujah. Let grace, mercy, and gentleness, and kindness, and sweetness blow across the table into the presence of our King. We worship you, Lord God. Sing that for us, Harry. Let's just worship him, shall we? He's here this morning right now, friends. We say, Brother Donnie, I've got this in my heart and that in my heart, he condemns me. He's here to forgive you. But, but don't walk out of here without letting him not only forgive you, but let the wind change. Let the wind blow across. Don't walk out here feeling condemned. Well, there ain't no hope for me. No, that's, that's the devil telling you that. Let the same Spirit of God that will forgive you change the direction of the wind and blow out of yourself today the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. Saturate my soul. Let the river flow. Let the north wind blow. Lover of my soul, saturate my soul, let the river flow.
flowers appear on the earth again. The time of singing is come. Saturate my soul. through this building today, Lord God, with healing in your wings. Deliver those who are bound. Set the captive free. In the name of Jesus Christ, be set free, children, from the presence of a great king. He's in our midst today to blow his wind across your need that you can be healed, that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you can reach out to him right now, this verse for behold the winter is past the rains are over and gone you see it may be something similar when he steps upon the mount of olives that day half of the city will be taken the women will be ravished but he will step upon the mount and when he does it will be parted by a great earthquake. And his enemies will fall before him. And at the dawn of that seventh morning, you see, God was called out of his millennium by the fall of his son and daughter in the Garden of Eden. God entered into his seventh day of rest, the millennium. So redemption called him out of the millennium. What will take him back in? When redemption is complete. Hallelujah. In the dawn of that seventh morning, glory be to God, we walk out on the ashes of the wicked. The earth will be brought back up on its proper axis. There will be no more winter. There will be no more floods. There will be no more snows. No more snowstorms. That's just the honeymoon. Praise God. 
Praise God. The same presence that we feel in this building this morning is the very thing that will sweep over our souls one day and will change us in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. I know it's not, it's not really like a feeling, a, a tingling. It's not exactly like that. It's not like you feel something running up and down your spine. It's something different than that. I, I, I don't feel that, but I just feel like I'm in this presence. It feels like if it's any greater, I'm not sure that I can take it. I see I got to be changed to stand this. Let's sing it. You imagine whenever the winter will be passed on the earth for the last time. And the earth will begin to spring forth in her Eden beauty again. The second Adam and the second Eve will walk out on the face of the earth restored to paradise. Let's just worship him now. I hope this makes sense to you. Let him take your hands, your love, your worship. Let him take it and just be a vessel that he can take his own love, his own depths of what he is. Let him love back out of you and me. This is the only way he can be loved properly. You and I can't love him right. We can't worship him right. But if he can take what we are, he knows what he wants. The way he wants it. For behold, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth again. The time of the millennium has come. Saturate my soul. Let the river flow. Lord God, we worship you. Take my hands, Lord Jesus. Take my mouth, oh God. Worship through me. Love through me, Jesus. Saturate my soul, saturate my soul, let the river flow, let the north wind blow, lover of my soul, saturate my soul. And said unto me, Rise up, my fair one, come away with me, saturate my soul today.
of my soul Oh, saturate my soul Let the river flow Let the north wind blow Lover of my soul Saturate my soul Let the river Spices may blow out, saturate my soul, let the river flow, let the north wind blow, lover of my soul, oh, saturate my soul, let the river at one of the schools here as a security. I'll be starting school here in a, in a few days. Also had it on his heart for <clears throat> those who goes to public school and those also the, some that are teachers. We'd like to pray for all of them. As a security personnel, he was telling me how he's seen when I was preaching here Wednesday night about violence coming on the earth and many of these kids that are becoming so violent that they will assault one another over hardly anything at all. Can't you see what they're getting under? The spirit of destruction. The tribulation period. 
And while they're moving under that, we're moving under the anointing of the rapture. Can we just pray for them? Heavenly Father, our founding fathers would never have believed if they could look at today and see what America has turned into. Many of those who gave their lives and paid the ultimate price in the wars that have been down through time that we could have freedom, they would never believe what this nation has turned into. They'd never believe what our leaders allow and what they stand for. So it cannot just come through the leaders and the parents embrace it and think somehow it'll stop with the children. The children are going to become that as well. Dear God, we pray. Our brother having to deal with this in his vocation, in his job. Lord, some here being school teachers. And I know, Lord, some of the teachers here have told me some of the things they hear and see and need in prayer because it's absolutely awful what they have to deal with. Lord, you see it. You know it. Someone told me not long ago, Father, that they're having to put sandboxes in schools because some of the kids think they're dogs, so they have to use the bathroom in a box. Our world has gone insane. Come, Lord Jesus. But Father, we're praying for your grace and your mercy. Lord, to those who have to deal with this, Lord Jesus, until you come. We pray for our brother. We pray for our teachers. We pray for those who are still there in the public school. We pray also for those, Lord, who homeschool, that you'd help them, Lord. Father, we all just need your help today. In the name of Jesus, we ask Amen. I mean, knows there's only one hope. The coming of the Lord. God bless you, saints. I love you. Pray for us this week. Amen. We had another thing or two that we was going to do this morning, but we're going to wait till later on on... Uh, the following service, uh, next service, or the next weekend, but it's just been an awesome feeling here this morning. Like Brother Donnie said, not a running, shouting, jubilation, but just a presence that we sense among us. You can't put a price on that. It's worth everything, isn't it? Let's just sing as we get ready to leave this morning. Come, sweet Jesus. Come, take us away. How many of you are longing to get out of this place? More than anything else in this world. Let's sing about it this morning, if you will. Come, sweet Jesus. Take me from this place. I really don't belong here now. I want to see I really don't belong here now 